Scripture reading this evening is 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. It's on page 996 in the Bibles that are available in the pews, page 996. Beginning in verse 14. But as far as you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If it was your last opportunity to say something to someone, what would you say? Particularly if they're important to you. If you knew it was going to be the last time that you saw someone that was important to you, that, that you loved very much, that you loved deeply, what is it that you would say to them? Paul had a couple of those moments, probably more, more than uh, just a couple that we find in Scripture as he made his way throughout Asia Minor and teaching the gospel to a number of individuals. One of those is found in Acts chapter 20. Look with me at, at Acts chapter 20 and let's see what happens as Paul is leaving the Ephesian elders. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 36 through 38, we find the, the account of Paul leaving the Ephesian elders and the, the, apparently the relationship that they had with one another was so close. When he had said these things, verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. What was it that Paul said that, that made them sorrowful? What was it that they appreciated after, after he had said these things? They, they began to get down on their knees and they, they prayed together and, they, and they, they hugged and embraced one another. Notice up in verses 29 through 32 what it is that, that Paul says. For I know this, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now notice verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Some of Paul's closing words before leaving behind some very close brethren were that he was commending them or to he's committing them to the word of God's grace. That is, it, he was reminding them to stay true to it. That these, these ravenous wolves, these individuals that were coming, were, were going to come in and, and were going to perhaps teach things that, that were not true. Paul says, hold fast to the words of sound doctrine. Paul, in a very similar account in 2 Timothy chapter 3 from our scripture reading this evening, had a very similar uh, request, a similar reminder for Timothy. We've been studying from 2 Timothy this month, in case you haven't remembered. Our, 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 our month uh, is in the book of 2 Timothy, and we're considering this idea, uh, from, these ideas from 2 Timothy, and particularly tonight, the idea of holding true to the Word of God and the scriptures being inspired of God. Now, as I was preparing this lesson and thinking about this 
section, particularly verses 16 and 17, some verses that we know so well. For all Scripture is, in, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. And we, we know these verses, and, and as we come together, even on a Sunday night, when, when individuals perhaps are, are maybe more well-versed in, in, the, in the Scriptures, and we, we hear about these things and thinking about the Scriptures being inspired of God, well, is this maybe, maybe a lesson that we need to be reminded of? Because it's, it's a fundamental thing, after all, we might say. And as we think about what Paul is doing in 2 Timothy, he's writing to his, what, he, what is sometimes known as his son in the faith, one who's very important to him, one that he's taught the gospel to and, and encouraged him along the way and has brought him with him on missionary journeys. And no doubt, Paul, Paul had spoken many of these things to Timothy in the past, and Timothy had heard him preach these things about the Word of God many times in the past. And yet here he is, Paul, as we look at chapter 4, is more or less on his deathbed as he's about to depart from this life. And he's saying, these are the things that, that I want you to know, Timothy. In fact, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as appearing in his kingdom, preach, notice, the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And again, very similarly as was the case in Acts chapter 20, before Paul left the Ephesian elders, he said, look, there's people that are going to come in among you and they're going to teach things that are not true. Paul says something very similar. For the time will come, verse, chapter 4, verse 3, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers. Before Paul left, this, before Paul left the Ephesian elders and before Paul left this life, one of the things that he most dearly wanted to impress upon those that were closest to him was to stay true to the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. Consider two things this, this, uh, with me this evening. Part number one, consider the importance of the Old Testament Scriptures. The importance of the Old Testament Scriptures. And then part number two, consider other characteristics about all Scripture in general that are important to us. Part number one, I want us to consider from our scripture reading what it is that Tony read just a moment ago. Verse 14 of chapter 3. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to stop and ask yourself the question. When, Paul, when, when Timothy was a child, what scriptures did Timothy have? He had, undoubtedly, what we know as the Old Testament scriptures. And so no doubt, as Paul is writing these things by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he had in view, in mind, this concept of the Old Testament scriptures being able to, number one, make us wise. Make us wise, particularly unto salvation. So the importance of the Old Testament scriptures, what is something that's important about it? They make us wise. They make us wise unto salvation, which is, in, uh, which is faith, uh, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How? The Old Testament provides information regarding the fall of man and the existence and rise of sin. 
And, and it gives us the background and development of God's scheme of redemption. It shows us God's plan in action. And they make us wise in that sense to the need for salvation and what God has been preparing in eternity for us. Without the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament, we cannot uh, have or, or be made aware of messianic prophecies which describe what to expect when Jesus comes. Have, had those of, of old not had the Old Testament prophecies when Jesus came? They, yes, mo- many of them did not recognize him for who he was, but they should have because of what the Old Testament prophecies reveal. One cannot hope to fully understand such books of the New Testament like, Levitic- like Hebrews without a knowledge of the Levitical priesthood. If you've ever read Hebrews, you understand the many references to the Levitical priesthood. And, you, and if you don't have the background, the context from the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament scriptures, then it's harder to understand those things that you read in the book of Hebrews. One cannot hope to understand fully the book of Revelation without a knowledge and a familiarity of Old Testament prophecy and apocalyptic language. And how the Bible uses different types of, of literature to, to convey its messages. And so as an individual begins to pick up the book of Revelation, we understand how there's been confusion uh, over, over many different things throughout this book over the time uh, of history. Most of the time, or oftentimes, it's because of the case, the fact that the individuals are not familiar with their Old Testament scriptures and they're not aware of what, uh, what it is that God was trying to uh, prepare us for in our knowledge of the book of Revelation. And so, as we think about what Paul is saying here, for many years, I had read verses 16 and 17 and, and been made aware of that and had heard that preached. And, and for whatever reason, and it's certainly probably not for lack of individuals preaching in my time. For whatever reason, it, de- it didn't ever click for me to see verse number 15, that from childhood you have, made, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I didn't see that phrase. And as I began to study it more, it really jumped out to me and made me aware of the fact that the Old Testament Scriptures help to bring us along into our faith, into our salvation. But number two, the importance of the Old Old Testament Scriptures. Not only do they make us wise, but they also give us hope. They give us hope. Turn to Romans chapter 15 with me. In Romans chapter 15, we have an encouraging message for the reader. In Romans chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul once again, as the author, says these things. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. But notice verse 4. For whatever things were written before time were written for our learning. Notice that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. As I mentioned earlier on, thinking about these verses in, in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, the particular ones we're very familiar with, we might think, I know these, these verses and I'm aware of them. Why, and, I, and I know the importance of the Bible and I, and I know I should read it every day, but, but why? Why? Because they make us wise and because they give us hope. So many in the world today are walking around without any hope. They have no direction and purpose for living. They have no, no hope in the sense of the, of the afterlife and the, the eternal life that we have in Christ. And when we read the Scriptures, even when we know the importance of the Scriptures, we're reminded of the fact that these Scriptures reveal to us the opportunity for hope that we have. He appealed to an Old Testament passage, and the things written before time were written for our learning. 
The Old Testament was written and preserved especially for the Christian's benefit. Remember, these things were historically uh, preserved, yes, for the sake of those individuals as they were living in that time, but many of them never got to benefit from them because there were, some of them were written after the time in which they lived. But they're preserved for us today to be able to learn from them, to be able to improve and to know what we might do differently. The Old Testament provides patience and comfort that we might have hope. How is that the case? The Old Testament provides a record of God's faithfulness. How does, how does the Old Testament provide for us hope? In fact, people will look at the Old Testament and they will say, don't you see all the killing and don't you see all of the, the sin and don't you see all of the, the heinous activity that's going on in the Old Testament? How is it that you're saying that the Old Testament provides you hope? Have you not considered the fact that the Old Testament reminds us of God's faithfulness? That it reminds us of what God has done time and time again for his people? That it provides for us the record of Abraham and the nation of Israel and the fact that God's faithfulness and his promise to judge the wicked and avenge the righteous, to forgive the penitent and to protect the humble, that God is a God that does not change. He is everlasting and, he, and eternal and, and, uh, and does not change and, uh, with a variation and shadow of turning. He is an individual that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is someone who we can trust. And when we see that in the Old Testament, in fact, people will look at the Old Testament and they'll say, you know what? The Old Testament, well, that was all about the law, but the New Testament is all about mercy and grace and forgiveness. But I submit to you this evening that the, old, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the, of, the, of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is the one who enacted this plan and, and began to show this mercy and grace by sending his son Jesus. He's not any different. The God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. But number three, as we consider the Old Testament scriptures, consider that not only do they make us wise and give us hope, but they also give us instruction. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. The Old Testament scriptures give us instruction. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 11. Consider what Paul wrote. Now all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition or our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. He had just reviewed the fall of Israel in the wilderness in the previous 10 verses, and the events described may have been what happened to Israel, and so they were written for our admonition. If you recall, we were studying Judges earlier uh, last quarter, and, and we, we had in the Psalms these individuals that uh, had written about the fact that you ought not to go to the base of a tower uh, when you're in a military siege. And, and that was because that's what happened to one of, of those individuals in Judges, that as he went to the base of the tower, someone dropped a, a stone upon his head. A very crude illustration, right? And it killed him. A very crude illustration of what, what we're talking about when it comes to learning, and that was for a military purpose. But how much more important is it for us now to study the Old Testament scriptures and to see what happened in those days for us to learn and to be instructed. And thus the New Testament writers often appealed to the Old Testament to admonish Christians. Paul did this in, in his letters to the Corinthians. The writer of Hebrews did this when he exhorted the, those uh, Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 12 through 19 to remain steadfast. James did this when he encouraged Christians to be patient in their suffering in James chapter 5 verses 7 through 11. Peter did this when he warned of false teachers and scoffers in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. And so as we read the Old Testament, we ought to be reminded that it gives us hope, that it makes us wise into salvation, that it gives us instruction. But consider in our second part this evening that 
there are additional characteristics of, of Scripture, of all Scripture, that we ought to be considering. Go back to in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 where we began. Remember this idea that we're considering of, of Scripture being given by God, that it is inspired from Him. It is, it is God-breathed, as we'll talk about here in just a moment. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, notice verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Number one, I want us to consider, with regard to additional characteristics of all Scripture, this goes for the Old Testament and it goes for everything we have in the New Testament. It is inspired. It is inspired. Literally, it means that it is God breathed in the original language. That it is as if it has come off of God's uh, tongue or, or out of his mouth or, or his breath having being proceeded from his mouth as he is speaking. That the very words that we hold in our hand, yes, these things are, are, are known to us. And those of us that are here tonight, no doubt, have heard this before. But remember, going back to this idea of, of Paul saying these things to Timothy on his deathbed, as it were, and something that he had to, to communicate to someone he loved very much, maybe his last words that he was going to speak to him. And Paul says, remember the scripture, it's inspired by God. It's inspired of God and that it's God-breathed. The idea of, of these, the writers of Scripture were moved along by the Spirit of God in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. That the Spirit gave them their very words, that is verbally, every single word and, and plenary inspiration, that is every single part. Not, not just some of the words, not just the, the letters in red, as some people might allege, that we should only follow the words of Jesus. But that is every single word that we have in the Word of God, the Scriptures that have been revealed to us. That even what the Apostle Paul says, you know, many in the, the religious world today begin to, to de default, if you will, on, on what Paul has said and say, well, that's just Paul's persuasion. Remember, everything we read in Scriptures comes directly from God. It's God-breathed. The scriptures are not the words or thoughts of mere men, but of spirit-guided men who spoke and wrote the very word of God. But consider, not only is it inspired, but it is profitable. It is profitable. Notice what he said in verse 16. It's profitable for a number of things. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine being, that is, our teaching is profitable for our teaching. What it is that we should know, what it is that we should know as far as what is true or what to believe regarding all that God wants us to know regarding himself and his, his will for us, but also for reproof. That word reproof is not something we maybe use very often, but we, we hear the, the idea in the, the word itself that is showing us where we're wrong. Showing us where we're wrong, what we need to do differently, convicting those that are in error, those that are, are walking waywardly and showing them the need to change. But also for a correction. Not just showing us that we need to change, but showing us what direction we need to head in and telling us what we need to do to change. And also for instruction in righteousness. Instruction, as one man said, in regard to the principles of justice, of what is right. Showing us what is right. Another man said, man needs not only to be made acquainted with truth and to be convinced of his error and to be reformed, but he needs to be taught what is right or what is required of him in order that he may lead a holy life. 
You've heard it said, perhaps, in, in, in parenting philosophies and, and approaches that it's not enough simply to just tell a child to stop doing something, that it's, that it's a good thing to also encourage them in what they should be doing. And you can understand the value in that and the, the importance of, of directing a child in the way he should go, and that way when he's older he'll not depart from it, as we read in our Old Testament scriptures, by the way. But that it's not just good enough to, to reprimand and to, to cause someone to stop doing something, but that they might have direction and purpose for where they should go in response to what they need to change. And so the Word of God is profitable for that. It doesn't just show us where we're wrong. It shows us what we need to do. And thinking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Remember in, in that great text there where, where Paul is saying, look, these are things that, that you ought not to be involved in, but he reveals to us what Spirit-led individuals are doing and what, what they look like and how they act. And so as we think about the Word of God, it makes us uh, aware of those things. It's inspired, it's profitable. And number three, it makes one complete. It makes one complete. That the man of God, verse 17, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is, they are completely furnished to do what is expected of them. Is equipped for every good work. Not just some, not just a part, but all that God requires and all that God respects of his peop- expects of his people. Regarding life, life and godliness in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, and also in Jude, verse 3, that the faith has been once for all delivered. That we have everything that we need to know. And that, that implies that there's nothing that needs to be revealed t- today as well. And so that the Word of God has been revealed to us, and we think back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, that we have the mind of Christ revealed. We have it in our hands, at our fingertips, and, and we have to treat it as such and appreciate it all the much more because we have that which makes us complete. Not perfect. Not perfect in the sense of the way that most people think of it, that we're never going to stumble or fall. And we think about 1 John chapter 1, that if we walk in the light, as, we, uh, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. Not perfect in the sense that we'll never have things we need to ch- change and adjust, but complete. That is what God expects of us, constantly trying to grow, as we talked about this morning, and, and improving our faith and growing in our faith to a faith that is genuine and is not counterfeit. As we conclude, there's a TV show that came out not long ago, and they, uh, I guess there was a movie, some, something along these lines as well. But if you could take a pill... Uh, some sort of medication and, and ingest that pill and it would give you everything that you could ever desire in terms of, of limitless knowledge and, and everything that you could desire in terms of, of wisdom and, and maybe uh, precision in everything that you do and it just makes you completely aware of every, every possible uh, scenario that you could think of to make you a better businessman or to make you uh, a, a better athlete or to make you a, a, a better a student at school, would you take that pill? I think the, the TV show, you know, dove into a little bit about what maybe what some of the problems would be if, you, if someone had that at their disposal. But most people probably would say, yeah, that, that would be nice. But think about the Word of God. If someone told you that there was a pill t- to take that can make you wise and, and hopeful and, and smart and, and everything that we've discussed this evening. Well, we, we have it. 
The Word of God has been revealed to us and it makes us wise concerning salvation. Maybe not wise in the way that the world thinks of it and maybe some street smarts and yeah, you might have some wisdom in how to fix a particular uh, problem in, in, on an on a automo- automobile or whatever it may be. But wise in the thing that's most important. Wise into salvation. This scripture gives us hope and the promises of God. It, it helps us to learn from the mistakes of those in the past. It, it allows us to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. If, if you had that at your disposal, that pill, wouldn't you take it? Surely you would. But we do. We have it right here. Take up the admonition of Paul to both the elders and to the young preacher Timothy and continue in the things that we learn from the Holy Scriptures. Let the inspired Scriptures be our guide. Let it be that which controls us in our life, that teaches us what doctrine we should be following and things that we need to reprove, uh, to, to change and to correct and to, uh, to have an instruction in righteousness. Give yourself diligently to the study of the Word of God, which is able to make you wise for salvation. It's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. For this reason... We also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcome it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Could Paul have written the same thing about us, about me, about you? If God were standing before you this very moment and speaking to you, wouldn't you listen to him? Surely that should be the case when it comes to the Word of God. If you're not doing that this evening, make that right. Be an individual that values and appreciates and and shows in their life, as we talked about this morning, that you truly do appreciate it and live in a way that follows after the one that has written it and has provided it for us. If you're not a Christian, be one, become one tonight. Have your sins washed away in baptism and become part of his family and have that hope of eternal life. If there's anything that we can do for you this evening, we ask that you come as together we stand and as we sing.